So yeah. this is what you, I think you really should be doing. And that will craft your path to a niche area of practice that will, that will be very successful for you. Welcome to the You Are Go Your podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I want to talk all about this business that you're running. It's called Legably, which is That's correct. really fun to pronounce. <laughs> Lawyers <laughs> like words. And so I'm going to spell it out. L-E-G-A-B-L-Y, right? Correct. So not legal, not legally, legably. That's correct. Why did you create this platform and what is it? So it started, and it is a made-up word, which is great from a trademark perspective always, right? Um, I first, I've been a practicing lawyer for eight years now, and I was at a trust and estate practice uh, right out of law school, and I was getting all of these engagements where I needed to have local counsel in other states drafting documents, filing deeds, doing those sorts of things that I just couldn't handle. So I found myself Googling attorneys near where my clients were moving to and calling them up out of the blue, asking them if they could help. Normally they would, they would say yes, it was work coming in the door. And um, we would communicate via email over the phone and at the end of it I would mail them a check and uh, we would get everything done. And after doing that a handful of times, I thought to myself that there was a much better way to do this. And back in 2016, 2017, freelance platforms were very different, particularly for the legal profession. So you started to see them come out for graphics, de graphic designers and software engineers and folks who are very computer literate by nature. And they really gravitated towards those platforms, but you hadn't really seen them yet adopted for professionals like attorneys and paralegals and legal assistants. So that was the genesis of, of Legably. That's where it started. And we got launched, um, you know, towards the end of 2017 into 2018 after building it uh, with my co-founder. And uh, flash forward to today, we have just under 7,000 users from across the, the country, uh, attorneys, paralegals, and law students who haven't yet passed the bar, but may be able to clerk depending on their state bar rules. They may be able to do limited uh, scope practice. And certainly there'll be attorneys soon enough, full-fledged attorneys soon enough. So we want to give them a leg up and in, in uh, starting to add to their resume and work on projects for attorneys. And the idea behind the platform is that attorneys and legal staffing firms, in-house counsel companies use legably to hire freelance attorneys and paralegals for short-term engagements uh, contract through the platform, share documents, message each other, and then get paid through the platform all in one place. So if you're a solo practitioner, and I am now, so I still have my law practice, I'm a solo practitioner, I can have attorneys in every state. Uh, so I have licensed attorneys handling work that requires uh, an attorney licensed in a specific state if I have a client with a need there. Um, multi-jurisdictional work where I need someone perhaps with a, with a different specialty, but also in a different jurisdiction. I can post a project and hire them and, and, and get the work done. If I need a document drafted that I'm just not familiar with, I can hire a paralegal or an attorney who may already have it done and can quickly transact uh, over legally and share what they have, uh, edit it for me, draft for me, and then I can I can incorporate that into my work. So it's designed to make work more efficient for attorneys, whether you're a solo or in a large firm or in-house, and uh, to allow more work, uh, more work to get done and to contribute to, to your bottom line. So I'm listening and this makes sense, but it's 2023, right? <laughs> 
in 2017 where people like, who cares? Why do we need this? People aren't getting jobs this way. That, that's right. It, it, especially in the legal field, it, it, it was not a, a quick adoption. This wasn't something that, uh, and, and it isn't something that continues to just sprout up overnight. The legal profession, as you know, is a very conservative profession by nature. How people get hired is very similar to how it was decades and decades ago. Uh, the use of technology in law practices is always a challenge, certainly for lawyers to use the technology. It's an even bigger challenge for software companies to sell into the legal profession and offer solutions for lawyers uh, and paralegals. So th that challenge continues. You're starting to see you know, certainly the, the profession move in a direction where they understand they can get more work done. They can handle client matters more efficiently. They can bill more when they adopt technology and they use it in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. So as a lawyer speaking to a lawyer, <laughs> I worked in big law for five years and I recorded my time. Well, I still record my time because it's just ingrained in me. But that recording of my time was how I knew I needed a virtual assistant. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, I'm spending 12 hours a week on admin work. Who can I outsource this to? Is that a similar thought pattern for people who sign up to work with Legably? Like you gave the example of I need some work, maybe a paralegal could do it, but could a solo practitioner really say, oh my God, I have too much work. Let me outsource this to somebody and work with Legably? Absolutely. And that 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 surge workflow we like to call internally uh, use cases is very, it's very real for a lot of lawyers. You may not need a specialized person. You may not need someone in a different state. You may just need someone to help you with what's coming in. And if you don't have an option like Legably, you just have to send the clients to another lawyer. Uh, or you take them on and you can't really handle their matters in a, in a, in a good way, which is, of course, not, not the prudent thing to do. And so this offers you the opportunity to scale up quickly without having to hire full-time people. Engaging with other people who don't necessarily want to work for you full time, but they're looking for freelance engagements. So it works well for everyone. And you can handle what comes in. You can continue to bill hourly. You can you can bill on a fixed fee basis and and legably adapts and user uh, lawyers using legally are adapting as fee structures are changing, too. Uh, many lawyers still bill by the hour, and there are a lot of reasons for that, even though it's very unpopular outside of the legal profession. But we are seeing an increase in fixed or alternative fee arrangements. And when you do that, you build into the budget what your what your time, what the resources are going to cost. So you're more able to flexibly push some work off to other attorneys knowing that their cost is going to be X, you're still able to bill Y. So it doesn't hurt your bottom line, but it's still wrapped up in a fixed fee that perhaps your clients find more attractive and, and want to work with you because of. And one of the things I think is so amazing about Legably is the fact that most lawyers are really good with lawyering, not too good with the business aspect, right? And so if you know your numbers to know, I need help, I need to outsource this, outsource this, I need to work with someone else, you probably are already pretty proactive as a business owner. Have you found that to be the case? Certainly. And there are attorneys who have created virtual law firms, and that model has become more prevalent now. And those attorneys certainly are more willing to try something like Legably um, right away. They don't need to be sold on the concept. And in fact, their business is built around this idea of having attorneys in all 50 states, even though they're a one-person law office and they're just affiliated with 50 lawyers. They went out and built those relationships 
when Legably came along, we allowed them to have those relationships permanently on the marketplace uh, and be able to interact with those lawyers on an on-demand basis. So it's a much more organized way of doing what they're already doing. But those were attorneys and firms that were structured for this new model. Legably is a great solution for them. But of course, there are many more attorneys out there who are either solos or in big firms where the business aspect is always a challenge because you're in the business of practicing law, plus you have to run this business on the side. And we hope that we can make life easier for those attorneys uh, in terms of managing their work and getting paid for that work. Absolutely. So I'm on the Legably website right now, right? And very simple, very easy to use, hire a professional, post a job. What made you say, yes, I'll do this, right? You have a co-founder, you guys are Mm -hmm. discussing it, and then you're like, I kind of think I'll take the risk. Like what yeah. makes you decide? Yeah, I will take a risk and be a pioneer and do this. Well, it, it was, I, I didn't want to let the opportunity go by. Uh, and, and I wanted to jump in with the, the, with the least amount of risk possible uh, to get something out there and to see if, if there would be user adoption. And we started with a basic landing page before there was a website and I, we had several hundred signups fairly quickly without spending a lot of money. We didn't have a budget for this. So those are people who were coming to us starting organically. We had a little bit of press and blog coverage which started to send some traffic to us. So people understood the concept. And from that, we decided to go and build it. Now, every, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Uh, I probably would have taken an even leaner approach at the time, moved faster and done half as much at each stage just to push the product out there and to get feedback from lawyers, because that, of course, is the best way to iterate on these products. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if I knew then what I know now, uh, you know, it, it, if that if, if that was the case for all of us, you know, life would be good. Right. So we just have to adapt and overcome. Yeah, absolutely. OK, cool. So, Dan, let's go back a little bit further. You actually are you from Rhode Island or I know you went to law school there. I am. I'm from here and I uh, I went to Roger Williams Law School here as well. Okay. So when you were in undergrad or even high school, did you know you wanted to be a lawyer or what made you decide to look towards law school? Yeah, I um, I come from a family of lawyers. I didn't walk into their firm. We all have, have gone in different paths in the practice of law. But when I came back to Rhode Island, I actually went to high school in Florida. I moved back to Rhode Island to go to college. Uh, and when I was in college at, at Providence College, I ran for the state legislature and um, I won a seat in the House of Representatives when I was 21. So before I had gone to law school or even considered it, I was actually a lawmaker. And that was an interesting approach. And so while I was there, I decided that I always thought about perhaps going to to law school. And at that point, I decided that was the the right move for me. And so uh, while I was in the house uh, and a lawmaker, I started at law school and then I left the house um, uh, shortly after um, my, uh, I graduated in 2015 and I left in 2016. So it, I have a very interesting path into the start of practicing law. Yeah. And uh, my practice, uh, uh, aside from legally, which still remains active, is most, mostly focused on uh, executive compensation and employment law and handling outside counsel for businesses because I, I have, you know, I've been baptized by fire, so to speak, on the business side of things. So I find that that really does help. And it's an interesting segue from the startup world into advising business clients because I understand a lot of what they're going through. 
You know, hearing you explain it, it makes sense to me, right? But I'm preparing for the recording and I'm like, legislature to business owner, to, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah. these yeah. two sound so disparate. I'm like, how do they work? I mean, you're the only common denominator. I'm like, how do you make all these things? Yeah, the, the, there really is nothing in common with any of them. Um, yeah. Even the lawmaking to law practice, um, you'd be surprised. But uh, w w except for one thing, which is um, when you and, and I don't advise, you know, go into politics before business and people should do whatever they want. But the one thing you do learn in politics, especially when you're running a state legislature, a legislative campaign in a state as small as Rhode Island, is you are a one person band and you are very quickly in the span of six months putting together what is in all effects of business, uh, raising money, spending money, setting a budget, hiring vendors in what could amount to several tens of thousands of dollars very quickly. People are giving you money because in this case, they want to see you get elected, not because they want to return on that investment in the, in the business sense. Yeah. And then one day it's all over. And then you have to figure out how to sustain that. And it becomes a giant marketing exercise and some an exercise in operations and communications and working with other people. And so it really is a crash course in running an organization, even if you don't have a huge team, even if it's just you. From the standpoint of, of, of understanding finances, setting budgets, spending money. And so that does take a bit of the edge off when you look at the idea of, when you think of the idea of starting a business yeah. and you say, oh, that's such a challenge. Oh, I, you know, maybe I've always worked for someone in my career. I wouldn't know how to handle the rest of it. Well, in my case, I ran and, you know, I still couldn't tell you why I decided to run for office. I guess it seemed like a good idea at the time. But once you do something like that. You say, well, if I could do that, then what's so what, what's so tough about starting a business? What's so tough about starting a law practice? So it was a very, uh, everything was out of order. Um, I was serving with attorneys who were in the state house and had been practicing attorneys for decades and now are sitting next to me. They certainly did it in the more traditional path. There are a lot of benefits to doing it that way. I'm not saying you have to be a rebel. Uh, but there are many ways to do things, and it's a bit of a non-traditional path, but it certainly has been an interesting one. Yeah, I definitely hear the non-traditional aspect, which is why I was so excited to talk to you. But you know what else I'm really enjoying? And it's, you know, this is coming on like my 125th interview, and I'm like, Congrats. winners are risk takers. You yeah. are certainly a risk taker. <laughs> like, I think that we think we're risk averse because we really like rules and like to know yeah. the guidelines and the parameters. But the truth is we learn about the worst case scenario in law school. And I think yeah. it kind of helps us to take more risk because yeah. we know, okay, well, at least I didn't get hit with a hammer while I was walking to the train. <laughs> at least that didn't happen. So yeah. anything else that happens, I can handle. They say law school just takes perfectly normal human beings and turns them into petrified people. Uh, who are scared of their own shadow. That's really, a, you know, law school's sole accomplishment. And it really is true in many respects. But that's why I think on the, on the, uh, in counseling businesses, uh, and this is true for attorneys who haven't started businesses, but then just are, are corporate or business attorneys, uh, it's very important to understand where your client's coming from. And it really helps to be involved in the business world to understand the risk taking because there's always risks to be taken. You can't go in and advise a business client and say, well, the answer here is don't take any risks. You won't be their lawyer for very long. They won't have a business for very long. So you have to understand where they're coming from, the best way to get there, 
chart out the minefield for them. And if they have to go through it, you say, well, I'll be there with you. I'm just saying that try to do X, Y, and Z. And uh, certainly coming from the business world really does help in providing that advice to clients. So that is a good segue into you working in executive compensation. Mm. Now, I worked in a corporate law firm and, you know, there were corporate leases and all these things. And I actually ended up on the IP side with patents and all of that. Mm. How do you get into executive compensation? Like, was that something you sought after or did you narrow down after you started practicing? No, I, I started narrowing down while I was practicing and while Legal Blue was still getting off the ground. So we're talking five or six years ago, I was asked to join an executive search firm, but not as a lawyer. I was an attorney. I had a few clients on the side, but I hadn't really started my practice. And so while everything else was going on, I'd left the state house at this point, so that wasn't going on. But while everything else was going on, I got into executive search. And I worked with um, C-suite level executives who were being recruited into roles, mostly at private equity run companies. So these are very intense roles, fast growing companies. Uh, the search processes were very aggressive. And so I found myself negotiating all of their agreements as a uh, headhunter, as a recruiter, not really as a lawyer, even though I was doing that on the side. And so um, I left there and decided to craft my practice aside from, from Legal Boy, um, uh, around this idea of advising executives and employees. It doesn't really have to be executives, uh, even though the term is executive compensation out there, but re really employees of all levels and negotiating on their behalf for their offer letters, their employment contracts, their compensation plans, uh, creating long-term incentive plans for them and their companies, uh, and negotiating severance and exits and transitions as high-performing uh, executives get uh, recruited out on a fairly consistent basis. They're coming back, and now we have to negotiate their next deal. As a recruiter, I couldn't talk to them uh, once we had placed them in a role uh, because we had an engagement with the company that hired them. But as their attorney, they can call me at any time. And so that was how I got into that practice. And um, I've discovered that it really is a boutique. There's there are attorneys out there, many in big firms, but they all are advising the companies. And so um, they're, they're not going to go represent the executives because their firm has the, the bigger client on the other side of the table that they have to negotiate against, which is understandable. And so they're, they're folks like me. And in my practice, I come in and I, I help negotiate their interests. I liken it to being a sports agent for employees and executives. That's just something I say to myself to make it seem a lot more glamorous than it actually is. Uh, because stock option plans are only so exciting. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, uh, it's a great practice. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy that there is a, absolutely a business aspect to it because it's all about crafting compensation to uh, relate to business objectives and understanding how the business works and how my clients can fit into it. Uh, and so it's a, it's a great area of practice and it dovetails very well with my, uh, with my startup adventures. And so, and you're running this firm by yourself or are the owner of it? You're, um, you know, working virtually at home or what? That's right. So it's a, it's a solo practice and I use Legably and other uh, networks to, uh, um, or, or my, my personal network in addition to Legably to uh, find attorneys, especially in my practice where I will have a need for local counsel in other states. It's a, it really is a national practice. So I have to build a roster of attorneys in other states who can provide that local council sign-off can provide that local local practice 
um, that's needed for my client. And so I have a, a real need for that virtual firm that League of Blue provides. Uh, but other than that, it, it's it's just me. I love that. So you are co-founder of League of Blue, but also you use their services. That that's right. I'm best. a customer. Yeah, that's the best <laughs> advertisement ever. All right. So, Dan, I want to ask one more thing here. Hmm. So the podcast audience is new lawyers, five years hmm. practicing or less, or law students. Hmm. What would you say to them about what they can do with their law degrees? Well, the, the 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 true answer, but it's not very helpful, is you really can do anything. Don't think that it's going to be that you have to be in a firm, you have to be practicing, you have to be going to court. Some people love litigating. Some people are born to be transactional lawyers. They just don't make any TV shows about that. And so you come out of, of, of law school and you may think, I have to go to court. I have to do litigation. Uh, you don't see transactional lawyers on billboards. So you have an idea of what the profession is. And my suggestion is, as a new lawyer, you broaden your horizons as much as possible. If you're in law school, uh, intern, make yourself a resource to as many places as possible. Don't think of it as giving away free labor. Think of it as you figuring out what other people are doing and deciding for yourself if that's what you want to do or not. And then, uh, you know, figure out if you do want to practice, who is your role model? Who has the ideal practice, the ideal lifestyle, maybe the ideal income, and then work backwards to figure out how to replicate that. And everyone always will say, develop a niche. That's absolutely true. But that's not very practical advice for someone on day one who's just passed the bar. So yeah. this is what you, I think you really should be doing. And that will craft your path to a niche area of practice that will that will be very successful for you. So everyone, remember that you can do anything with your law degree, but also keep your eyes open for different interests that jump out at you, basically. Because um, you could end up working at a firm and then opening a business and then running your own firm and all of the stuff. So. Yeah. A law degree is a great credential to have in the business world if you never practice. If you go inactive, you're still an attorney by training. It counts for a lot. I've seen that in the recruiting world. I've seen that in the business world. So don't think that you're boxed into any one particular career path. And of course, it can always change. Yes. And if you're listening and you're like, that sounds terrifying. I can do anything. <laughs> it's exciting, right? Yeah. You have to frame it in a way of it's not terrifying. It's the fact that you get to choose what you want to do and you can sure. change your mind. Absolutely. Right. Um, Absolutely. That's the reason this whole podcast exists, because you're a lawyer. You can do anything with your law degree, but you get to decide. Right. So see that as freedom, not, oh, my God, where's the guidelines? Instead, it's freedom and flexibility. So. Absolutely. Will you tell everyone where they can find Legably and your resources? Absolutely. So Legably.com, as you said earlier, it's L-E-G-A-B-L-Y dot com. It's, it's free to sign up and use. Uh, so encourage attorneys to get on there. Feel free to send us a message at uh, support at legably.com if you have any ideas, issues, suggestions, uh, or comments. That's really the, the most valuable uh, uh, information we can get as feedback from our users, especially those in the legal profession. So I invite everyone to try it out and let us know what they think. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Have a great day. Bye. Likewise. Thanks for having me. This is what you, I think you really should be doing. And that will craft your path to a niche area of practice that will that will be very successful for you.